This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ukraine continued to reckon with the fallout from Russia's airstrikes on its energy infrastructure, with much of the country still struggling with blackouts. Residents in Kyiv, the capital, were told to prepare for more attacks. Russian missiles damaged a hospital on the outskirts of Zaporizhia, a Ukrainian-held city not far from Europe's largest nuclear power plant, controlled by Russia. Meanwhile, Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, said Russia was heavily shelling Kherson, the southern city recaptured by Ukrainian forces in early November. Local officials said that strikes killed seven people in the city on Thursday. COVID-19 infections in China recorded a new daily high of over 30,000, dashing hopes of a swift release from swinging social distancing measures. New cases were detected across the country, including in Beijing, Shanghai and Huangzhou, which is fighting a particularly acute outbreak. Shares in Asian stock markets sank, along with optimism about China's unshackling its economy anytime soon. Israel's incoming Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu moved towards forming a government as his Likud party signed its first coalition deal with the far-right Jewish Power Party. The initial pact, which does not finalise the full coalition, will see JP's leader, Itamar Ben-Gvir, become police minister and join the country's security cabinet. The new government looks set to be the most right-wing in Israel's history. The UN's Human Rights Council launched an investigation into Iran's lethal crackdown on the protests that have engulfed the country since mid-September. The council voted to establish an international fact-finding mission to probe allegations of what the UN's human rights chief called unnecessary and disproportionate use of force. An estimated 400 Iranians have been killed and 15,000 arrested. Anwar Ibrahim, Malaysia's new Prime Minister, said he plans to test his support with a vote of confidence on December 19th. An election on November 19th resulted in a hung parliament. Mr Anwar intends to lead a national unity government, propped up by two rival camps. The 75-year-old has led Malaysia's opposition as a liberal democratic reformer for most of his career, including years spent in prison. Elon Musk, the new chief twit at Twitter, announced a general amnesty for some suspended accounts starting next week and justified it with an online poll. He reinstated Donald Trump's last weekend. Twitter also shut its office in Brussels, sparking fears among EU officials that the social media platform will cease to follow their rules governing the moderation of online speech. Football World Cup Cristiano Ronaldo scored in a fifth consecutive World Cup, a record, as his Portugal side beat Ghana 3-2 in their opening match in Qatar. Earlier this week, the preening Portuguese star was booted from his club, Manchester United, after falling out with the manager. Brazil, the favourites to bag a sixth title, also won, beating Serbia 2-0. And facts of the day. 1.4 million. The number of homes that Horn C2, the world's largest wind farm, can power. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Businesses brace for a bad Black Friday. Black Friday, when retailers around the world offer a dizzying array of discounts, usually marks the beginning of a merry season of frenzied consumerism. 
This year, it may be different. In October, retail sales in America were higher than expected, but sales of electronics and various other discretionary goods continued to fall, as consumers' wallets were squeezed by inflation. That may spell trouble for businesses banking on an orgy of overindulgence. To lure customers, American retailers have introduced deeper Black Friday discounts than in previous years. But even after these deals, inflation still makes many products more expensive than last year's shopping season. And because their bank accounts are no longer bulked up by savings made during the early months of the pandemic, shoppers have less to splurge. The Football World Cup may squeeze sales further. With America and England playing each other on Friday, consumers have yet another reason to steer clear of the crowds of bargain hunters. Hong Kong's Catholics under threat On Friday, Cardinal Joseph Zen, a former bishop of Hong Kong, was found guilty of failing to register a fund to help pro-democracy protesters. Unlike many of the people he helped, more than 1,000 have been sentenced to prison. The 90-year-old will only be fined 4,000 Hong Kong dollars, equivalent to 512 US dollars. Cardinal Zen's hopes for democracy in Hong Kong, shared by many of the territory's Catholics, were crushed by China's Communist Party. Now the party is going after their faith, too. On the mainland, China's regime increasingly exerts control over Catholic churches, in part by pressuring them to register with the government. Clergy at registered churches must impart Communist Party doctrine to parishioners. A secret deal signed in 2018 by China and the Vatican is thought to give the party authority to nominate bishops. The sinicization of Catholicism has now reached Hong Kong. Catholic missionaries in the city say that mainland-style control is coming. One priest from Hong Kong says that churches there will remain open, but only cowed believers will worship in them. Bangladesh fires up a new coal plant. On Friday, a new coal-fired power station will begin operating in southern Bangladesh. The project sits 14 kilometers from the Sundarbans, the world's largest mangrove forest and a UNESCO heritage site. The plant, which cost $2 billion to build, will burn 5 million tons of coal each year. Bangladesh's government hailed it as a symbol of cooperation with neighboring India, the project's main financier. But the plant is controversial. Environmentalists opposed it and demanded that private banks not fund it, partly because of the threat it poses to the forest. Bangladesh's energy policy is cleaner than this fiasco suggests. Last year, the government scrapped plans to construct 10 coal-fired power stations after pressure from activists and trouble getting the necessary investments. It has instead focused largely on building natural gas and nuclear plants. But domestic gas reserves are declining and imports are expensive. Regular blackouts, last month more than 100 million people were plunged into darkness, may also slow Bangladesh's transition away from the world's dirtiest fuel. Rebels without a pause The east of Congo is home to one of the world's forgotten wars, or rather to many forgotten wars. More than 100 militias operate in the region, mostly local groups fighting for land and commodities. But one, M23, is more disruptive than others. Over the past year, it has seized towns and killed dozens of people. Congo and the UN reckon the group is backed by Rwanda and that its attacks are part of a broader contest for power in the Great Lakes, a region of 100 million people across Congo, Rwanda and Uganda. On Wednesday, regional leaders meeting in Angola gave M23 an ultimatum. 
If a ceasefire is not in place in eastern Congo by 6pm local time on Friday, then Kenyan-led troops may force M23 to lay down arms. Even Rwanda's foreign minister signed the statement calling for peace, but M23 argues that it was not party to the talks and will not withdraw. Congolese, who have endured more than three decades of violence, are right to worry about what comes next. Another outing for Lady Chatterley's lover. In Lady Chatterley's Lover, the heroine wishes for men to leave her alone. Filmmakers seem unwilling to do the same to D.H. Lawrence's final novel, first published in 1928. Obscenity laws meant that uncensored copies weren't sold in America and Britain for another 30 years. The book, detailing the affair of an aristocrat and her gamekeeper, has been repeatedly adapted in the decades since. The latest version, made for Netflix, is released in cinemas in America and Britain on Friday and will be available on the streaming service in December. Lord de Clermont-Tonnerre, the film's French director, is not the first to apply a feminist lens to the story. In 2006, Pascal Ferran, another French director, was lauded for focusing on Lady Chatterley's perspective. Writers, including Simone de Beauvoir, had previously taken Lawrence to task for his patriarchal pomposity. Miss Clermont-Tonnerre's take also focuses on the environment, championing the natural world that mechanised greed has ruined. What was once seen as simply blue is cast in a more modern shade of green. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday. Which counterculture festival takes place in Nevada in late August and early September? Thursday. Which children's toy was named after the 26th President of America? The winners of last week's crossword. Thank you to everyone who took part in our new weekly crossword, published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia, Rajesh Ramam, Singapore. North America, Rebecca Clements, Toronto, Canada. Central and South America, Ramon Asparua, Caracas, Venezuela. Europe, Jean-Francois Dufour, Kublevi, France. Africa, Gustav Melk, Pretoria, South Africa. Oceania, Richard Leon, Greenwich, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of Bankman-Fried, Basque, Anger and Dnipro. Check back tomorrow for this week's crossword. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Utant, who died on this day in 1974. Every human being, of whatever origin, of whatever station, deserves respect. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.